Welcome back to Home Inspector Training. I'm Garth Haslam, the home medic, and the goal on this one is, like I mentioned at the beginning of every other segment, is to get you to a very basic level of understanding so that you are prepared to do at least the basics of every system in the home and um, and basically not be proven to be deficient in your knowledge in any category. That by itself is a very tall order, but that's what this training is about. This segment, I am going to talk about swamp coolers. We talked about central air in another one. That was med-recorded. You can get to that one too. But this one is specifically about swamp coolers. Now, depending on what area you live in, maybe nobody's ever heard of a swamp cooler. The swampers will generally work best in the arid, dry part of the United States or maybe any other arid, dry part of the world that you might happen to live in. Um, the process on a swamp cooler is that you're going to have a water source that feeds a pan in the bottom of the swamp cooler. Now you've got this little pond that's about two inches deep. There's going to be an overflow in there so that if the water happens to keep running, it's going to overflow in a controlled manner. It's going to go into the overflow down the roof, and then, of course, from a swamper, that's going to have a lot of calcium and other chemicals in there, and that is going to destroy, especially an asphalt roof. So that will be one of the inspection points. If you see water overflowing from a swamp cooler and it's on a, an asphalt roof, chances are you will already see the damage. It can turn a 30-year shingle into a 5-year shingle. It's nasty. Uh, what a homeowner can do about that, besides fixing the reason why it's overflowing, is hook up a hose to the bottom of the overflow, and then we're running that nasty chemical-filled water directly into the rain gutter. So, we've got the source, we've got the pond. Now, what happens next is you've got a, a pump located inside that little pond of water, and that pump is going to pump the water up above the filters into what's called the spider. It's called the spider because we have usually eight legs, one for each of the walls or sides, if you will, and it's going to pump that water into troughs that are located above that space, and then the water is going to filter down through the pads. The pads get wet by the water as it's gravity feeding back down into the pond area, and now with wet pads, we're going to have a fan that pulls air from the outside through the pads and then pushes it into the living space. That is the process for a swamp cooler. Now, a number of things that, are, that can go wrong is, you know, that list is long. I mentioned that, for example, you can have water overflow onto the roof and destroy it. You can have the pump not work very well. You can have water go into not all of the four pads, and then you're just pulling warm air and all of the associated, uh, I want to say, air pollutants and, and allergens, etc., from the air. Sometimes the pads are not well fitted. They have air gaps. You're going to have wasps, etc., that are going to be allowed in, even birds, into the interior of the swamp cooler. And that's one way to get critters inside your house, be they six-legged, uh, four-legged, or two-legged. So these are all inspection points that you're going to want to look at if you're doing a swamp cooler. Now, 
Swampers generally are going to result in a much lesser quality indoor air environment than a central air unit. Me personally, my dad had some very serious lung issues. And as he was deteriorating, we all figured he had weeks to live. We decided to to swap out his swamp cooler for a central air unit. His health improved dramatically, and 10 years later, he's still alive and going strong at 90 years old. He was allergic to, among other things, the molds that were being brought in from the exterior. And, of course, bringing in humidified air from a swamp cooler only adds to the molds, not only that are being brought in directly, but are being caused inside the house. Swampers, generally not a good thing, as you're advising your clients Usually, if they can have, if they have any options to upgrade the swamper to central air or to some other system, they will be well advised. Now, does that mean that you can write up the swamp cooler as being a deficiency because you don't like it and you think something is better? No, because it is a swamper. It was installed. If it was installed correctly, it is what it is. So I would strongly advise against making what is basically a judgment call and saying swap out the swamper because it's a swamp cooler. But if you can find something wrong about it, you can say this wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And rather than fix it, we recommend that you go with a different system. That you can do. Okay, so strengths of a swamp cooler are that uh, they're cheap. They're cheap to install. They're cheaper than a central air unit to run. They require a lot less electricity, so the bills go down in that category. You can also install them in, for example, a window so that you don't have to cut holes in the roof. Those are the strengths. The weaknesses are many, and you've already heard me mention some of them. Uh, We have molds and allergens that are being not only allowed in, but drawn into the home. Maintenance is much greater. It requires that a homeowner who may or may not be comfortable on a roof or on a ladder to actually get up onto the roof, not only himself, but he's got to be getting up there carrying a set of equipment, which may include on some days uh, the swamp cooler pads, or maybe he's trying to carry up a, a replacement pump. Maybe he's on a steeper roof. Maybe he's on a metal roof. You know, we've got a million ways and methods for this whole scenario to go badly. If you actually are inspecting a home that has a very steep roof, you know, maybe at least a 12 on 12, and especially if the guy is not extremely comfortable being on roofs, that is a reason to recommend that he swap out his swamper for a different system. You can always call out a safety issue and basically say, look, it's unsafe to be climbing a ladder with pads in hand up on a, on a steep roof to get up on and you know and do maintenance on this swamp cooler. That is doable. So more weaknesses. Yeah, you got a lot more maintenance. At minimum, if everything else is perfect, you've still got to get up on the roof as the homeowner and do maintenance spring and fall. On that unit, it's got to be cleaned out. You've got to have pads replaced at least once a year, sometimes depending on water quality, two or three times. You've got to make sure the critters aren't getting in. You've got to clean things out. It's a process. But at least twice a year, a homeowner is going to need to get up there. 
And that's going to cause damage to the roof because he's up there walking around. Not a good thing. And then I mentioned the danger thing. So if a homeowner is up there with you and you want to carefully mention that he is welcome if he is comfortable on a roof, at least that's what I do. You can do whatever you want. You can tell him to stay on the ground and reduce your liabilities. That's great. If you do that, he will perhaps appreciate you a little bit less because he needs to know that sort of thing. And if you invite him up there so that he knows what he's got to do, then you get that much more dedication. It's kind of a choose your poison thing. There may be a certain level of liability in allowing them up there. At the same time, if you don't serve them well, the very real liability is they're going to basically say that inspector didn't teach me anything. So you can choose that one for yourself. I tend to always err on the side of customer service. That's your business decision. So maintenance. If you got the guy up there and you're teaching him what a swamp cooler is, you're going to want to show him about the, uh, I call it the bomb. It's the same thing as the float in a toilet. It's going to cut off the flow of water that's coming into the tank, the pond. And when that gets to a certain level, it's going to stop that water inflow. You want to show him that. You want to look at the calcium in the pan. Sometimes that can get really nasty. And you want to show the homeowner how to remove the overflow so that he can wash the calcium out of the pan. You want to talk to him about the overflow and destroying his asphalt shingles. You want to show him the pads and how to get those out and show him the sizes so that he can understand. Show him the materials so that he can understand what he needs to do to get up there and change those himself. You want to take a look at the spider and make sure that it is actually delivering water in adequate flows at all eight locations. And then you want to take a look at the supply line. I've seen a thousand swamp coolers where the supply line was leaking. And then again, you get that leak onto the roof, continuous flow, and the homeowner is going to be ruining the roof. They're going to be paying a larger water bill. They're going to be wasting money. None of this is good. Of course, a continuous flow on the roof, even if the roof started out good, that water is going to find a way into the attic. So I want to make sure you take a look at that supply line as well. Career enders on swamp coolers. Again, don't fix anything. Let's say, for example, that maybe the spider is plugged. You know that it would probably be a very easy thing. Maybe you just bend that spider a little bit so that you can get the plug out. Maybe you can see that the the pump has a filter on it that is completely plugged up so that the pump can't pump any water. You can explain how to do that, but you don't want to actually fix that because maybe you clean out the calcium out of the filter. Now the pump works better. Now there's more water where there didn't used to be water and perhaps things go wrong. Maybe the sellers notice that it's actually working better and they think that's a problem. You don't want to fix anything. Additionally, and this is kind of obvious, but it has happened before, Uh, This is definitely a career ender. Don't fall off the roof. If you're on the roof, you want to make sure that you know where you're walking, you know what ledges there are, know what plumbing vents or other sorts of vents there are. Maybe you've got an attic vent. You just want to pay attention to where you're walking. I do know of a guy who 
fell off a roof or walked off a roof and it killed him. So you, of course, you want to make sure that you're staying on top of that. One inspector that I know very well, um, he has an empire and he, last time I talked to him, he basically said, look, if you're a home inspector, don't get on the roof. It's not worth it. Again, that becomes a choose your poison thing. There is a risk associated with getting on a roof. One of my rules is that I, and I put this on my website and in every inspection report that I do, is that if I consider something to be unsafe, I won't do it. My way of selling that to the home buyer is that, for example, if the roof is too steep, I'll just say I'm not in the mood to die today. And then the home buyer gets that even though they would like the roof inspected, the price is too high. But for a more standard sort of a roof, you bet I'll get up there. It is a a business decision to choose your poison. In my case, I would rather err on the side of good customer service as long as I feel that I'm safe and get up there and do what I need to do. No home buyer wants to find out two days after the inspection that the roof leaks and that the inspector missed it because of any reason, good or bad. From my point of view, you're going to want to get on every roof that you consider safe. And that, again, is going to be your judgment call. It is not a black and white thing because on the one hand, again, you have the risk of injuring or killing yourself. On the other side, you have a risk of not having your customers be well served and then you go out of business and you starve to death. Uh, you know, neither choice ha- is riskless. And so you're you're going to want to make that decision clearly. Obviously, you're a home inspector. There's risks in making that choice alone. So you're just going to want to balance the risks as you see fit. For me, if you're on my team, I strongly urge you to err on the side of providing great customer service, being respectful, doing the things that need to be done, but not things that are stupid. Okay, don't fix anything. Uh, Again, if you get up there and maybe you've got a leak in the supply line, you don't want to fix it because if you, let's say that you do fix it and an hour later it's broken again, you broke it, and you're the one that gets sued, and then everybody hates you. That's a career ender. Again, don't fall. More information on my website, homemedicusa.com, and also notchi.org has a ton of great information. You will always want to go there. I'm getting you to kindergarten. I think they can get you all the way to high school in the sort of information that they provide as well. If you have any questions and you're on my team, you can always call me, and that number is listed on my website. Thank you very much, and happy inspecting.